I told him almost every play that he was weak, that he was soft, that demonstrate facts. He just couldn't handle the truth. It was facts. Um, told him that his time almost up. Uh, told him that it was easy, which it was. He had one catch for six yards. Uh, I was just out there spitting facts to him. So, I mean, I pushed him every single play. We can go back and look at the film. I pushed him every single play. I told him stop putting his hand on me. And it's a run play. Don't even put your hand on me. So he put his hand on me. I pushed him again. He just fell because because he weak. I mean, he's small. You know, some people are mentally strong. Um, he wasn't during the game. He wasn't mentally strong. You know, I've talked to a few of his teammates afterwards, uh, a couple guys I know, and they had been told me they was like, um, once AJ started talking back, we knew you had him because he don't ever talk. And I was like, yeah, that's what I, that's kind of what I do every week. I knew I had him to a, to a point. And then the stadium kind of helped me out because right before we went out there, they showed the big highlight of me locking him down uh, and his one catch for six yards. So I, I knew he was over there boiling. Um, his teammates say he was over there pretty mad. So if he was really about it, then I, he would have just he would have he would have tried to square up with me. You know what I'm saying? But he he walked behind me um, and did that little. We're here with another episode of Hear the Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. I'm Ryan Stalder, as always accompanied by my co-host Ethan Vaughn. This week we'll be riding solo and we'll be talking about uh, the Syracuse game and we'll be looking ahead to the Clemson matchup as well, about, as well as just talking about the state of the program right now. But uh, for now, how's it going, Ethan? Pretty good, pretty good, man. Uh, about as good as I can be in the midst of a 3-5 uh, Florida State season, so... Uh... I guess you can interpret that however you want to interpret that one. All right, well, let's let's jump into our uh, usual segment of good things we saw against Syracuse or bad things we saw against Syracuse, if there were any good things, I guess. Uh, another win, or the first home win, but definitely a disappointing game to watch. As you said earlier to me before we started recording, you, you got to win uh, as a Florida State fan, but... All the issues that we've seen all season have just continued to exist and like rear their ugly head, especially late in the game. So uh, I'll let you take it over from there. You want to start off with a good thing or a bad thing that you saw against Syracuse? Uh, we'll go positive, start it off on a positive note. I, I think it's pretty, I guess, self-explanatory. Um, and the positive note was Cam Akers finally kind of... I mean, we said finally when he got his first long touchdown run against Duke, but... It was like finally he combined a big yardage game with a couple long touchdowns and, and looked like just that elite player that, that everybody in Tallahassee and everybody that watches him play kind of knows that he has the ability to be. So he kind of he finally really just became an elite player and, and put up an elite type of performance with 199 yards, a couple touchdowns. Um, it, it, the only thing, the only negative you can take away is that over 100 of his yards came on two plays, but... I mean, still, that's hitting. He also home. fumbled out of bounds. Yeah, I forgot about that on the near the near sideline on Florida State sideline. But yeah, so I mean, um, 
they, those are those are good. That's a good sign going forward. Um, Florida State's going to need a guy like Cam Akers in the program when they're trying to turn this around from this disappointing season. I agree. Um, Cam Akers definitely his best game. I don't know what it what it is about uh, Florida State running backs against Syracuse, but we should play all thirteen games against them. We'd have the number one running back in every year's NFL draft. So. Uh, I guess I'll just jump right to the negative side of uh no more positives man. What what else do you have? What uh, the offensive line looked uh, bad, quarterback looked bad, defense looked bad. Maybe the only positive I can say is is guys like Cyrus Fagan and Hampson Azraldine got got some good minutes. And I good don't snaps. think they played well though. <laughs> so. It, it what they were they didn't play great, but they also didn't they weren't the one that they weren't the ones that blew the long coverage and and, and like those are the veteran guys that did that. So they didn't play great. There was also like there's plays they made good plays, but then you had like the Cyrus Fagan where he. At least they're getting in though, right? Because to we, me, that's the we've been asking exactly. as fans. We've been asking, so we can't get we can't say we now. can't say get them in and then criticize them after the the negative results. You might no, as well. Yeah, just, I don't criticize at all. They. No, no, I'm just it, saying. Yeah, exactly. Gen- you're gonna get those lumps out of the way. Why not get them out in a way and get them out in a year where everything, all your attainable, you know, kind of high level goals are gone. So I mean, why not all get right. those those out of the way now? We could talk about negative things, but uh, we don't have a anti-depression, uh, anti-depressant. Uh, <laughs> and we've already all we've already talked about them. Like, if you want to know, like some people try to make this into a positive, like, oh, the team's growing or what, you know, like it's something's considerably changed. And the answer to that's no. All the negatives you saw and have seen from Florida State pretty much the whole season were present again right down to the defense almost blowing a lead in the fourth quarter and and it, they were all still there the only thing that kind of saved Florida State was miss field goal and they actually hit on some long touchdown plays those are the only two things that really that really allowed Florida yep. State to win this game I agree so until we get an antidepressant sponsor I'm off for the podcast we're not going to talk about this season it's negatives anymore um I guess, but we can. What we can do is get into what is quickly becoming my favorite segment, which uh, Logan, our producer, came up with. Which you can start off now, which is our accurate or over uh, overreaction segment. Okay, the first one we have this this week is going to stir up some people. I think it's going to be a interesting conversation, and and that one is: Is it better for FSU football? It, it is better for FSU football if Jimbo Fisher departs after this season. Overreaction or accurate? You want me to start off? You can start it off. Um, I'll I'll preface this by saying I've always been a huge Jimbo Fisher supporter. I got a picture of me and him on my wall right behind me. But I think just for the state of Florida State football program, I think it would be better if Jimbo Fisher were to leave after the season, just to get new blood in. Um, look at what Kirby Smart's doing at Georgia. Look at what Mark Rick's doing at Miami. Are either of those guys individually better coaches than Jimbo? I don't think so. However, when you have a new coach and you can stir up new, you can sell a new message at a new place with new people supporting you and new players you're recruiting, I think it's a lot easier to do well, to succeed, than to to sustain success as Nick Saban and Urban Meyer are seemingly the only two people who can do it. And we'll see if Dabo Sweeney can do it. Um, Um, Urban Meyer didn't even do it. He lost it at Florida. Well, he lost it at Florida, but he's he's had like 10, like four, five or six 10-win seasons in a row at Ohio State, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But what we can, what, we, what I will say is that 
I think it would be better for Florida State football, even if we got a little bit lesser of an individual coach, if you brought in a new coach this year. I agree, and I think it's it's kind of hard to, to say. Like, it's hard for Florida State fans to accept that, that statement, I think, for a lot of them. And, and when you look at it, you know, Jimbo Fisher's a guy who brought our, one of the best players in Florida State history, a couple of the best, actually, in Dalvin Cook and... And you can so many guys that you can't name: Dalvin Cook, Jameis Winston, Telvin Smith, a bunch of others, Jalen Ramsey. But it's one of those things where, and you know, I kind of sometimes I don't like this argument because you know you're responsible. The coach is responsible for getting a guy like Jameis Winston to Florida State. But without Jameis Winston, who is an, you know one of the better quarterbacks we've seen in college football, if not the best, over the last decade, probably. Um, Without Jameis, Jimbo Fisher isn't, you know, right now he's not in the elite, in the elite argument. And yeah, you can, you can make that argument for a lot of coaches. Um, like Dabo Sweeney hasn't been elite, elite without. You can make it for every coach except Saban and Meyer. Exactly. And those are the only two coaches that have, that have active, that have won multiple national championships. Um, so that, that's, you know, it's a tough thing, but it's just. It, it, to me, I think new blood is needed, and it, and the the one thing that makes me kind of think that it might be better if if there were to be a parting of ways between the two parties, is that not only does, in my opinion, does Jimbo need to change the the coaching staff, which I think he'll do, you know, when he likely ends up staying at Florida State. I think that's very likely. We can get into that, I guess, in a little bit more detail late later in the show, but um, I, I just think the biggest thing is is its offense right now. Um, in the NFL, we're seeing a lot more of the quote-unquote spread-style offense. And, and Jimbo's, Jimbo's whole mantra, his whole career at Florida State has been, you know, we run a pro-style offense that prepares you for the pros. But now the pros are kind of switching over to a little bit more spread, not a full-blown spread in most, you know, most cases. But you see spread, spread offenses, you know, the offenses like the, the Rams are running a little bit more spread this year. Um, doing some things with with Tavon Austin out of the backfield, and then the Eagles are running some spread concepts and, and, and you know running out there four and five wide. And Obviously doing, the Chiefs. The Chiefs exactly, and, and so it, it's just it, it's switching to where the NFL is, and, and you know it's one of those things. It'll be fluid eventually. The NFL will switch away from it too as defenses have figured it out. But to me, Jimbo's offense, the when we people deny this too, but we spoke to Kenny Shaw and Kenny Shaw, who played for Jimbo Fisher, confirmed it. It is a complicated offense to play in. I don't, I don't think you know it, it, that's just a fact of the matter. And, and people out there try and argue against it or being you know extremely complicated. But the players that play in it say that it's complicated and they're they're asked to do a lot. So I just think it's one of those things where there there's better offenses to run at a collegiate level that allow you to. I guess maximize your talent, you know, maybe in the absence of elite talent, and you don't have to rely on necessarily. You can become an Urban Meyer when, where you can win a national championship with your third string quarterback. Now that's obviously not the norm, but the way that that offense is ran made that easier than if you're trying to, you know, if you were put in that situation in a Jimbo Fisher offense. So I just think that there's there's some definite pros and cons. And it's one of those things, it's almost 50-50 to me. Like, It's one of those things where, where Brian Kelly turning it around makes me, I guess, have hope that Jimbo Fisher can do the same. But then, on the other hand, it's it's like, what if he doesn't? And you're, and you're kind of 
stuck. I think that's the other thing. The contract situation kind of makes it more attractive if he ends up seeking other employment and you Florida State kind of gets themselves out from that, that horrible contract that it, it really that contract makes the downside of him not figuring things out and define out the contract for those who the, for those who don't okay well no. the, basically the the 10-year contract the 10-year 40 million dollar contract that Jimbo Fisher has that's 100% guaranteed so if FSU had to fire him whenever they fired him down the road they'd have to pay him 100% of what was left on his contract so it's it's basically it's such a huge financial responsibility that the university likely wouldn't be able to fire him until at least five years, maybe more like seven down the road. So that's one of the things that I, I think to me, like it makes the risk, it makes him staying and not figuring it out even bigger of a risk because then there'll be no option for him to get outside employment because no other big time job is going to come and seek his, his name or pay him anything near to what Florida State owes him. And you'll be kind of stuck with him no matter what, what happens. So I think that's the one thing that kind of makes me think if he were to take another job it would kind of not only would it allow for new blood to come in but it would also eliminate the possibility that Fisher isn't able to turn it around and you get stuck with this huge contract and can't do anything about it all right do you want to what's the, what's the next um because we're going to come back to Jimbo and when we talk about the the rumors to Texas A&M so what what's the next uh topic the next topic is Bailey Hawkman should be given a shot at quarterback this year and burn to burn, which would burn his red shirt. Um, overreaction or accurate? It's a good question. Um, so should he be given a shot? Probably, I'll say like yes. But is it wor- Is it all that worth it? Like not really, in my opinion. So what I mean by that is, in a normal season where I don't know winning matters. Perhaps you give him a shot, but why throw him into this dumpster fire if you think you have anything there with him? Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, so, so Bailey Hockman was injured when, uh, or at least banged up when James Blackman took over after the the DeAndre Francois injury, which is why there wasn't really a competition or why it kind of just went straight to Blackman because you know JJ Constantino is completely uh, in incapable, but. I think well, – I'll say this. I think at the – and this should kind of – you can infer what you want, but this is my point. At the beginning of next year, I think there will be a legitimate competition between Francois Hockman and Blackman. And I don't think Blackman at all will have a leg up on Hockman. So I, I – is it – Okay, my thing – Should is- he play? Yes. Should they burn his red shirt for this season? Probably not. I think the red shirt thing is kind of like a, a non. I don't know. Maybe maybe in the case of Hawkman, it is. Okay, so maybe, forget the red shirt. Should they throw him into this dumpster fire season? Probably not. Yeah, forget no, I I agree. Because I agree. To me, we what we've seen is the we've seen the negative effects that being thrown into the fi- this fire that is Florida State's offense right now can have on a guy. And obviously, you know, Blackman came out and threw for almost 300 yards against NC State, which has a really, you know, not a great defense. They didn't have a good secondary, but still good defensive line. He hung in there, made some throws against that team, and he looked really good. And I think we've seen him steadily get worse as the seasons went on. Now, obviously, some of that defenses know what he can and what he cannot do, and they, you know, gained more film and saw what Florida State's willing to run with him out there, which is different than what they'd run with someone else out there, as Jimbo said. They'd given him about 45% of DeAndre Francois' playbook. So I think we, we've kind of seen those those negative consequences. Like I'm not you know, I'm not sure what exactly 
Blackman, like why he, why he's, I think it's like equal parts. I think he might be a little bit banged up. Defenses have, have you know, seen more on him as well as he's losing confidence because he's not getting coached well, which is evident in that, you know, we saw that on the sideline against Boston College when Blackman came over and Randy Sanders just didn't look interested at all in teaching or coaching or trying to help. Um, and so I think it's a really toxic situation right now. And I don't think that I agree with you. I just don't think there's any reason to ruin another young quarterback's kind of mojo or anything, putting him into a situation like this. So I, I, I would definitely agree. But I could see also, I, like I see the other side where it might be good to see what you have in Hawkman. But I just think it's an overriding, it's just a bad situation. So I think we we agreeing pretty well on these, and then the last one that we have is FSU would be six or two would be six and two or better with DeAndre Francois as a starting quarterback. Hmm, that's another really good one. So uh, the only way to that I feel comfortable doing this is just let's go through the games. So they are they lost Alabama with Francois. Yeah, that's an I think, L. Oh and one. Second game, NC State. I think they definitely win that game. I agree. Um, I think they lose one of, I, I think they, so let's just, let's just go in order. Um, so I think they lose either, like, I, I think, think they, they still have a Miami. decent shot to lose to Miami still. I think, yeah, cause Blackman, okay, Blackman, uh, that's, that's a, that's the one to me that where I think that, that, that might've been the loss. I don't think they lose to Louisville. They definitely beat Wake Forest still. They um, they, I think they, they don't, beat Boston they, they beat, I think they beat Louisville and Boston College. Yeah, I agree. And I think to me the reason that the Miami game is the one that they might have lost is because the, some of those throws and plays that Blackman made down the stretch, I'm not sure if Francois makes, you know, especially. Oh, yeah, but but I think definitely. But there's other areas Florida, where you do pick Florida it up. Florida State capitalizes in the first half when they got nothing out of dominating. That's true. That's true. But, but then why do you think that that's the game they lose? Other than just, I'm thinking, just saying, like, other than I, I, just, other than just because thinking if you replay that game, game somewhere, because if you well, if you replay that game, I don't think it's this close. Like, I, I think that was like a good, I think that was like a good performance from Florida State and a bad performance from Miami. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I, like, I mean, I agree. And you have to, you have to avoid like just like last year of FSU played Clemson ten times. I don't think Clemson was only two points better than Florida State. No, no, and that's and that's the funny thing is that that Dabo Sweeney argument after the 2013 game when he said we win that game five times out of ten, I, I I don't think they win that game five times out of ten, but Clemson was really good that year, and I think maybe two or three times out of ten isn't a crazy assertion, even though or or I think nine times out of ten they keep it within 21 points. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. 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 For sure. And and I think you saw Florida State's are on the on the flip side of that against Boston College. You kind of see how things kind of snowball. You know, the way Florida State started off that 2013 game against Clemson with the, the scoop and score and and, the, and that weird kind of a little bit fluky interception on the first possession, like stuff like that, you just – it kind of snowballed into a blowout. And, and if you don't have that, you know, that snowball – First drive effect, was the fumble on the first play of the game, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking – yeah, that's my – yeah, it wasn't a – it wasn't a – but yeah, the tight end fumbled over in the middle, I believe. But yeah, so that that just – you know, that kind of snowball effect, if, if events don't happen exactly like they do, the game doesn't snowball. And I think that's that's something that is discounted at times. But, no, I, I definitely – I agree. I think they probably pick up another loss out of Alabama. Out of, like, out of Alabama. But um, it's just hard so to – So I'll predict. say it's accurate. I'll say it's accurate because I do think this – I'll say FSU 6-2 and two because I think this – yes, there's a lot of problems with the team, but there were a lot of problems last year and a lot of problems that – 
no can team's be over- perfect. I mean, a lot of well, a lot of problems that can be overlooked if you have a really good quarterback, which DeAndre Francois people forget threw for thirty three hundred yards as a redshirt freshman. If he has a bad season this upcoming season, or like if he had a bad season this season, stayed healthy and had a bad season compared to last year, say he threw for like twenty nine hundred yards, that's still like almost double what Blackman's going to throw for. So oh, yeah. people have to understand the difference. And I mean, it's not a knock on Blackman. He's been thrown into a horrible situation. But Francois, this offense is, I mean, this offense is, I think it has a lot more, would have a lot more potential with with Akers and and Francois. I mean, come on. That's true. I, I, I think there's honestly, I don't know if, you know, how good, it, it, probably 25% chance. They might be 7-1. Um, I, I, you know, they, they, they were there in every game except the Boston especially College. Because, the, especially because if you Boston go out team. and beat NC State, because remember how good the, the team looked against Alabama? They put together that 90-yard, yeah. 85-yard touchdown drive, 11 plays, whatever, against Alabama. Offense looked good there. I mean, they had a bad game. But just things like that, the defense played their hearts out the whole game. I think part of the reason the defense quit is because the offense sucks. But I think if Francois was, was still out there, the offense wouldn't be as bad. And they wouldn't lose as many games, causing the team not to quit as much. Yeah, the team wouldn't. Have, the team wouldn't have quit against Boston College. I, that's, I, I don't that's believe. That's for damn sure. And, and and yeah, no, I agree. I don't know how much of it is specifically because of the offense. When you're talking about like like the defense quitting, I just think people as a, say like, oh, we would have lost anyways because our team is so poorly coached by these position coaches. I have news flash: these position coaches were not good at all last year either. Yeah, they just, no, exactly. Just the coaching has the been bad. Room. They just had the locker room's attention because yeah. they were winning enough. And that's enough. why a team as talented as Florida State last year lost those games to UNC and got blown out and by Louisville. Six points to Louisville so, with seven NFL starters on the defense. And the thing is, is that people, I guess, need to take that into account. When you know, last year there was a lot of people that thought with the way they closed that those those issues just kind of disappeared and i think that that's kind of like a a message to all those people who who thought they just kind of disappeared and that and, and more so i think it, it's been examined quite thoroughly and it was definitely a fact like a case of the opponents that florida state played weren't as good in terms of offense more specifically you know at the quarterback position and you know even even teams that like Michigan that were that were really good last year, Florida State matched up again. Florida State's defense, which I don't know of a defense necessarily that doesn't, but Florida State's defense matches up against pro style teams better than they do spread teams, and like that's why a, a team in Michigan was easier for Florida State to defend than a UNC or a Louisville was last year. So that's just one of those things. I think it's kind of like a cautionary tale for sometimes issues don't just like disappear. It, it might there's other circumstances that can contribute to a seeming like pr- like a seeming step forward in terms of making progress so I, I i don't know it's just a it's an interesting thing to to debate and i think florida state there's there's a chance they could be seven and one and uh, to me that really hinges on if you're going to include like are you going to say that the butterfly effect causes things to happen differently all the way around you know if you have a different season you might not have injuries to Auden Tate and Keith Gavin and your your offensive lineman like Landon Dickerson or if you just think that everything happens the same and you implant Francois in there to me if, if you have a, a couple fewer injuries you're probably seven and one with Francois and then but if you count those injuries all the same then you're probably six and two with Francois I agree 
Okay, so what's your next topic? Because I know well, that was last, last thing, for this last segment. Thing I think we need to hit is really just Jimbo and the Texas A&M rumors, and this is going to be, I think, pretty short because I think um, we're both going to call kind of BS on it. I, I just yeah, we could dispel these pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't see any reason. I don't know. You can tell me other than I, the only positive I can think of from Jimbo Fisher's point of view as to why he would leave Florida State would be just a new, like a fresh start and the ability to build something again instead of trying to rebuild something that's broken. And, like, I don't see any other reason you leave a— Do you want to do, do, you want to do positives and negatives as to pros and cons as to why Jimbo would leave? I only see—if you want to do it that way, I only see really one one positive for him. I, I, to me, I don't see any reason, other reason than to, like, that new start— because there's the whole family aspect, which I don't want to really get into the nitty-gritties of the divorce. But, like, Jimbo's son is the quarterback, the starting quarterback at North Florida Christian. They're going, you know, in the state playoffs. He's, he's established there, doing playing well. Um, and the whole, like, is he even legally able to maintain custody of his children and, and like, leave the state? It would be likely be something that both he and his wife or his ex-wife would have to agree on. And not only to mention that, he's guaranteed $40 million at Florida State. And coming off this season, there's no way a school would guarantee him the same amount of money. No Probably way. less than half that. So I just don't see, like, like the only reason would be a new start. That That's the literally there's, the only reason. I'll give you another reason. Um, I think you either don't know this or forgot about it. Because it's kind of a big, big reason. Um, Texas A&M's athletic director he i believe his name is scott woodward he was the athletic director when jimbo was at fsu so they have a good at relationship L- lsu yeah or excuse me lsu yeah, yeah but, scott i mean to me that's just athletic. part of a new start like a new ad maybe maybe i guess if you want to claim that florida states he's that jimbo's angry uh, that's another thing we can talk about but jimbo hinting about florida states you know current trying to get a football only facility that that i guess can play into that if he thinks the ad at Texas A&M would be more willing to like work to accommodate that that request would be I guess another positive. Let's talk about the cons because I think there's a lot more cons than there are pros. For him, so the con- for him, so the cons. Forty million. Generally- I can think of forty million of them. Okay, forty million cons. Uh, Ethan has forty million uh, George Washingtons. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, in case you guys forgot, Texas A&M plays in the SEC West, which means what? Murderers Row. I mean, well, not, not, not even not, not even yeah. Murderers Row, but, but you, who do they have to play yeah, every year? Yeah, you play Nick Saban every year. Okay, Nick Saban every single year. So when's Jimbo returning to the playoff? Because he's not going to win his division, and he's not going to win his conference, and he's not going to win. It, and yeah, because exactly. he's not going to win his, his division, he's not going to win his conference. conference. So okay. Yeah, Secondly, where is Texas located? Uh, or Texas A&M located? Excuse me. Well, I kind of gave away. College there. Station, Texas. College Texas. Station, Texas. And who is their primary team they have to recruit again? Uh. Everybody in Texas, Texas, okay. Baylor, University TCU, of Texas. Texas Tech, everybody. University of Texas has Tom Herman. Yeah, who's who beat one of the who best, beat Jimbo? One of the best, one, who beat Jimbo and who's one of the best recruiting head coaches in the country? Who landed a five-star defensive tackle and convinced him to go to Houston, and then left the next year. Exactly. So if he's not a good recruiter, I don't know who is. I think Texas also has a top three recruiting class right now, um, in only his first full cycle there. So. There's a lot more cons than pros. I I would be I would say there's a better chance that Jimbo if Jimbo leaves, I say there's a better chance he ends up somewhere else than than uh 
Texas A&M. I just don't think that move makes any sense. For I him. think Auburn's been another another thing that's been tossed that's around. But again, it's again thing. exactly. It's it's the same. Except thing. they don't have the natural talent. They don't have oh, the talent. I have another question. With. I have another question for all of you, uh, Jimbo to Texas A&M um, believers. So why would Jimbo leave for Texas A&M if he wouldn't leave for LSU? Because LSU at least has their own state to recruit in, and he's already been there. LSU, uh, in case you guys don't know, the recruiting the recruiting at LSU is basically, okay, we get guaranteed a couple five stars a year in, in the state who don't really want to go anywhere else as long as we're somewhat relevant because we're the only school they grew up watching. That's just the nature of LSU. Uh, I think Louisiana is either the highest or the second highest in like football recruiting high, like athletes per capita because Louisiana is in a huge state so obviously Florida and Texas have more athletes but per per capita uh, uh, LSU is loaded or Louis, the state of Louisiana is loaded and LSU is the only the other state schools in LSU are what ULM ULL Louisiana Lafayette Lafayette Monroe, the only the, so only, legit, no, the, only, legit the only competition the only is power 5 school Bama. is LSU and, and then Bama get, can try to pull kids but Again, when you grow up in Louisiana, all you want to do is play for LSU. So my point is, why would he leave for Texas A&M to go recruit against Tom Herman, play Alabama every year when he could have, and he could probably still go to LSU. So that's uh, I would to play would devil's be- advocate. I think the only thing, like if you look at what's changed, like last year Florida State was gearing up for a, a playoff run this year, and this year it's like a total rebuild needs to happen. So the job at Florida I don't think – why does a total rebuild need to happen? Can we talk about that for a second? No, not necessarily a total rebuild. But what like does that he's even gotta mean? Fi- he's got he's to fire coaches. And, and okay, but that's not a total rebuild. That happens all the time at normal programs. No, I know. But like, like from a Florida State point of view, it has changed. Like he has got to fire coaches. He's got to bring in – like last year heading into this year, he was super comfy. You know, no, I agree. I, I agree. It's, it's just but, not as comfy but, going forward. But still, it doesn't override. Like that's the only, uh, that's the only thing that's changed. That would have made him say no to LSU and yes to Texas A&M this year. I, I still, like I said, we don't think he's going, and I, I think that that if he, I, I don't think he'd say yes to Texas A&M to, to Texas A&M if he had said like because he said no to LSU last year. I think it's an indication of him wanting to stay in, in Tallahassee. All right, the last thing I want to do here, Ethan, is because this season is kind of uh, in the in the can. Uh, let's talk quickly about what do you think FSU has the potential to do next season? Because let's assume Francois will be back. At the beginning of the season, I thought perhaps Blackman might be the starter next year. It seems people like him a little bit better, but and he's a, he might be a better teammate. But I, at this point, I really don't see any way that Francois is in the starter next season. I agree. Okay. I think does the that... offensive does the offensive let's just go quickly. Does the offensive line get any better? You have you have Babyon Johnson at starting center who's supposed to be talented. You have Juwan Williams at left tackle. You have or Josh Ball potentially. Do you have Ball and Williams at the tackles, most likely? Maybe. Uh, Landon Dickerson at guard. That could potentially be a really good offensive line, right? And and the thing, the just biggest short, thing is quickly, exactly quickly. the biggest thing is just who's the new coach. Are you are they going to get yeah. more out of those guys? I think that group. You have, to, you, you have to assume they will. You have exactly. to assume a new coach will get more out of them. That that group so, is more talented than this year's. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, let's go to running back. So you're absolutely in every sense of the word stacked at running back. Yeah, that's even if somebody transfers, you're stacked. Yeah, no, you're good there. Anyway, you slice it, you're stacked. 
Um, receivers is a kind of a big question mark, honestly. Yeah, because you're gonna so, lose so Tate. So let's let's assume you lose Tate and Probably maybe Nooney. Yeah, maybe Nooney. Um, either way, so so There's let's not just assume much for there. argument's sake you lose Tate and Nooney. That leaves your number one receiver being Gavin. Uh, George Campbell is probably like a number four receiver again. I would say DJ, DJ Matthews starts in the slot, and maybe if if you can get Tamori on Terry up to speed in a very quick amount of time, he starts. So I think the receivers are a big question mark, but we can just leave it there just briefly. Uh, tight ends. So Ryan Izzo's gone, correct? Yes. Okay, right? so Izzo's gone. He go- is right or no? Yeah, I believe- yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Okay. Um, Izzo's gone. Uh, Mavin Saunders is not sure. Uh, I think he redshirted. But I, I don't think I think that the the tight no, end no, no, position. Izzo, Izzo's back. He's if he chooses to be, he's a redshirt junior. Oh really? Okay, yeah. so I say, I'd say the tight end position's like a wash. So. Jim uh, Izzo's been starting since what a redshirt freshman in 2015 then yeah and okay, so Saunders is a redshirt junior as well so okay so the tight end position stays the same you probably get you probably see Trey McKitty get all, get some snaps next year mm-hmm. but uh, other than that it's as far as better or worse it's probably a wash um then let's go to the defensive side of the ball did I forget anybody no let's go to the defensive side of the ball so D line I think you lose a lot you lose Naughty and Christmas right yeah and I don't see any way they're better. No, they're they're gonna be a lot a lot. And, and oh, the thing that's what, scary the, the is they're not even saved, getting they're not even getting that much rush this year. So I don't know where they're gonna go at the ends next the year. Saving graces next year they have Kando and Wilson. Yeah. Those I mean those guys, are number Kane, one player. Position. Those guys got to develop. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's go to linebackers. I think you have Dontavious Jackson. Well, quickly, who fills in at defensive tackle next season? So well, I'm. has gone. So fr- probably Wilson and Fred Jones. Wilson and Fred Jones potentially, but you also have those. The uh, you also have the 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 Newberry twins. Yeah, the Durden Newberry or not Newberry. That's where they're from. Oh yeah, Durden Taylor. Um, you got Jalen Parks. Parks. Yeah, so I think defensive tackle will be all right. It definitely won't be as good as Naughty and Christmas at least at the beginning of the season until Marvin Wilson comes into his own. Then he could potentially be better than both. Um, and shoot some pounds. Individually, that is. What do you say? He's got to shed some pounds. Yeah, he's got to. Shed yeah, some, I, think, uh, I think. Watching so. him on Saturdays, he's got to shed some pounds. I think he will. Okay, and then linebackers. You, what, what do you think? Dontavious Jackson, Leonard Warner. Those. I, two, I think. Maybe, the, I know they kind of the play the same they, position. They have to be better. They have to be better with new coaching. Who's they, the Who's and, the third Who's the third linebacker? I know. I know Warner and Jackson play the same position, but. Warner and Jackson play the same position. I, I think you got to look for, I guess, um, Emmett Rice, maybe to play yeah, that, that, weak right. side, that weak side position a little bit. I guess um, he's recruited a lot better linebacker as of late. I don't know what they're going to do with uh, – is Pugh back? Or is, no, I think Pugh's a senior. Oh, Pugh's, Pugh's a so senior So I don't know sure. who's going to – probably Josh Brown will, will be um, that, that buck position. We'll slide yep. in there. Okay, um, corner. I think it will be Stanford Samuels and Levante Taylor outside with either Kyle Myers, A.J. Litton, Houston Griffith. Somebody snatching up the nickel. Some, something's got to change at the nickel. Yeah, I think I think the nickel will be different. But it's potentially a new defense. Also, you yeah. have to figure. Yeah. So it might not be the same scheme. So we'll see. Um, also, then safety. So James and Marshall are gone, and Nate Andrews. So that leaves safety. Cyrus Fagan, Hampson Nasruddin, 
and yeah, some some other younger younger guys. That that Becker might get some look back there. Uh, Houston Griffith, they'll probably yeah, come in and free safety. Um, I I don't know. Like, it's hard to say they're going to be better with Derwin, but but if they're if they're coached better and they execute better on a consistent basis, they can be at least close. to That's what the weirdest here. thing to talk about. Is, no, I know because they it's haven't. It's the been weirdest that good. thing because nobody will be as close to talent level as Derwin, but Derwin hasn't been that good. I mean. I would say it's because of the scheme. I guess you could say it's on him, but I think a lot like of it, a lot of it has to do with the scheme. Yeah, I agree. So, right, but that, I mean, that's interesting to give it a look into that the next season because I think at this point, I know you and I talked about it. We don't really care what happens because it doesn't affect change, much. Yeah, exactly. Changes need to be made. Nothing that happens from now on. Like there is a set amount of changes that need to be made, and and nothing. I think we still that. need to make Clemson predictions because we've predicted every game. Okay, I got one big. quick hypothetical for you because I know you like. Okay, them. I, do I do think, like. Them. Do you think that Florida State beats Syracuse if Jock Westpatrick plays? Because he's not a big play type guy. And oh, I like that hypothetical. Do you, do you think that that Cam Akers gets as many touches to break off those two long runs that kind of saved FSU offensively? I was thinking about that when whenever I heard that. That um, that Patrick was going to be healthy for Clemson. Yeah, um, ugh. I don't think I'm ready to say Patrick like loses them the game, because I think Akers didn't run as well as he could have on some plays that Patrick would have ran. I don't think Akers hit certain holes and and stuff and blocked certain certainly didn't block as well as Patrick would have. So, I don't know. I'm I. I I see what you're saying with the two big runs, but I also think that Pat, uh, while Patrick is not as flashy, he was really good when he was playing. So I think I, I don't think I think that's an overreaction. I'll leave it at that. Okay, uh, just is an interesting hypothetical to me. We can get into Clemson predictions now. I'll just say that I think Florida State's defense will get up for this Clemson game because they have the talent to get up for it. So I think they'll they'll play at least decent, but. I, I just don't think that they, they're, like, fundamentally sound enough to be, like, a team that's going to come out there and hold Clemson to 14 points or 17 points. And if they do... If they do, I'm not sure. Guess yeah. who's not going to score 17 points? I ran a Twitter poll, and it, the vast majority of people think it's going to be between 8 and 14 points, so less than two touchdowns. Exactly, because I don't see Florida State breaking breaking any... They Like, this offense is totally, totally incapable of sustaining a drive even against teams that don't have elite defenses and i i don't think there's no way they put together like a 70 yard touchdown drive or something where that's like you know there's no 40 or or you know 30 or 40 yard at least type of play on the drive so i i i agree i i just i think it's going to be something like 27 to 10 or 31 to 10 something like that in favor of clemson all right well i think that wraps up this no, oh, no, no, you gotta do give I yours. have to give mine? Yeah, you're you going to make yours. me? Yeah, I'm going to make you. You said 27 or 3110. Um, what did you lock in? I'll say 2710. I'll give the defense the benefit of the doubt, which after this season I probably shouldn't. But All right, I'll go 23 to 7. Okay. All I right. don't think – I think we get absolutely sh- just, just, just shut down on offense. I just don't see – I think J- the Acres probably has like kind of a big, a couple big runs or something. It's the only reason we move the football at all. But they're really well coached. And I know they're obviously people like 
it's it's easy to say they're going to kill us, but they did lose to Syracuse. Yeah. The only um, thing they have, the only way Florida State like stays competitive in this game is if Jimbo Fisher really like goes the re- for it. If I'll he, tell you if the way go, the way he, they stay competitive is if they they score like early. That, if yeah. they if they score ten points in the first quarter, I think there's a good shot they win the game because then the defense is going to be like, we got a chance here, fellas. Yeah, and I think you know, Jimbo has to if Jimbo like really truly like plays we got nothing to lose type the type football where they're you know going where he's going for it on fourth downs um when it's like feasible and and at least you know the right thing to do inside like Clemson territory and and doesn't kick field goals and Florida State you know is able to convert on those type things then I think they can stay in it one last hypothetical Ethan one last one when we look back in 10 years is Clemson even more talented than Florida State this season this season like okay are you t- are you talking most talented just like like okay who had nfl careers that type thing yep who yep. boy um probably like it's gonna be similar i i would say because because i think there's guys i'd say florida the- state's defense is definitely more talented for sure um because you have like like florida state's defense has guys like tavares mcfadden who i think is gonna have a long nfl career and i just don't think florida state's getting getting everything that he's capable of this year so, or half of it. Uh, I never thought I heard you say that, but yeah, I agree. Probably not even half of it. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I just think that there's a bunch of guys at Florida State's not getting their full, you know, not getting the full range of their talent, not getting the full effect of their talent this year for various reasons. And these guys, there's a bunch of guys on this team that are going to have good NFL careers, and and so I think that that's definitely, you know, I I think it's at least in the realm of possibility, and probably. At the very, you know, almost likely that that you're looking back on this team and just thinking, wow, you know, all this kind of wasted talent that Florida State had. All right, well, that wraps up this episode of Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. I'm Ryan Stalder. That's Ethan Vaughn. Uh, we will talk to you guys. Ethan will bring you the instant reaction after the Clemson game in Death Valley this Saturday at 3:30. We got to work on getting um, that. Um, depress like that antidepressant medicine yeah we need an antidepressant then we need an antidepressant podcast sponsor for the to you can you be the official 2017 florida state football here the spear sponsor uh because we need it in in these dire times but anyways that uh wraps it up for this week we'll see you guys next week